This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Mater Dei Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and I'm grateful to once again have this time with you as we continue to hear stories of how God is transforming lives and hearts with the fire of His love. And seeing hearts ablaze with zeal for the gospel is very much on the mind of my guest today. Kristen Bird is the Executive Director of Burning Hearts Disciples, which is an apostolate that focuses on the formation of disciples through the new evangelization and through the art of accompaniment. Kristen's stories and insights reminded me of a passage from Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, where he writes, Jesus is the first and greatest evangelizer. In every activity of evangelization, the primacy always belongs to God, who has called us to cooperate with Him and who leads us on by the power of His Spirit. The real newness is the newness which God Himself mysteriously brings about and inspires, provokes, guides, and accompanies in a thousand ways. The life of the church should always reveal clearly that God takes the initiative, that He has loved us first, and that He alone gives the growth. Again, that's Pope Francis speaking on evangelization. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Kristen as she reminds us about the power of story and why it's not possible to hear and to take to heart the charisma too often. I'm joined by Kristen Bird, who serves as the Executive Director of Burning Hearts Disciples, an apostolate which aims to equip, train, and support Catholics to live out the new evangelization through the art of accompaniment. Kristen, it's lovely to have you on the show. How are you today? I am well, thanks, and thanks for having me. Well, Kristen, uh, it appears that evangelization is really uh, at the heart of your apostolate. Um, So that tells me that somewhere, somehow along the way, uh, you were evangelized. So could you just share with us um, maybe some moments where you really saw the Holy Spirit at work in your own experience? Sure. Um, That's a a huge question because there's so many. Uh, But if if I really think about... Um, those key moments of my own faith journey and my own discipleship journey and my own evangelization. Um, there are a couple that come to mind. Um, the first one is that uh, when I was uh, 16 years old, I was a Catholic high school student mm-hmm. who was invited to go to World Youth Day uh, with our uh, diocese, very small diocesan group. And we went to Paris, France. And there was a, a moment on that trip. I'm, I'll, I'll just be honest. I was not going because I cared about the Pope. <laughs> I was going because I was 16 years old, and it's the only way my parents were letting me travel to Europe was if I was going with church. <laughs> That's honest. But yeah. Um, yeah, but when we when we had a, one of the masses um, for that uh, event, I vividly remember having a 
super profound encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, um, where I just, everything I had learned as a Catholic school student um, that was head knowledge really became something that I just knew to be true in my heart. Hmm. Now, that was maybe the first encounter that I can remember, but it certainly was not my conversion. (laughs) It did not come (laughs) until later. Um, When I was in college, um, I had uh, been asked to volunteer to take a group of, to chaperone a group of teenagers to a Steubenville Youth Conference with Mm -hmm. a parish. Um, And uh, I, again, had had just a really profound encounter at that uh, conference that really then turned into a moment of uh, God just asking me, you know, are you willing? Uh, are you willing to be like Mary in the Annunciation? That was kind of a theme, yeah. and say yes, even if you don't know what it means or what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and so then that that uh, that event during one of the um, nights of adoration, there was just a moment of me kind of saying yes. I like to say that my my fiat was more like okay, fine. <laughs> it wasn't quite as, <laughs> quite as surrendered maybe as the Blessed Mother was. But, um, and so those were really two key moments in my early part of my journey. And then the rest of it has just been, you know, having people who have walked with me at various parts of my journey to answer the right questions, to give the right piece of wisdom, to be praying with and for me and teaching me how to pray that really kind of has brought me to where I am today. Beautiful and clearly helped shape uh, really the the mission of this apostolate, which we'll get to shortly. Um, but I want to ask kind of on the other side of these uh, key experiences, um, after the okay, fine, <laughs> how did that start to um, draw you into ministry? What did that start to look like? Well, so um, when I was in uh, getting ready to go to college, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And my dad actually asked me uh, the best question anyone could have asked me at the time. And he said to me, what do you love to do? He said, because if you love something and you can figure out how to make that a career, you know, you'll be you'll be set. You'll be set for life. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there were a couple things I loved. I love to read um, and I love to talk about books and literature and English class and all of that. Um, I loved my Spanish class that I had in high school and I loved my youth group that I had at my parish. Now, our youth group was very much a classic youth group. It was social. <laughs> it was, there was not a lot of depth to it. Um, but I was getting that catechesis at the Catholic school. So, um, but I, I just, I loved being with those people, having a community, a fellowship of other people that I could, we could talk about some of these things, but it wasn't all God all the time. You know, um, we had all of our, our, our lives that we shared with each other. And so when I went to college, I went to become a teacher at first. I thought I was going to teach English classes and have classrooms full of students who would have to read books and talk about them with me. <laughs> I will, that's not how it works, but that's okay. Um, and what happened is I was still kind of intrigued by the youth group thing. And so when I started as a freshman in college, I reached out to one of the local parishes and just said, and, and where you, where were you living at this time? By um, the way? At, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Right. So I was at the University of Wisconsin here in Oshkosh, mm-hmm. and I well, I will date myself. I opened the phone book, and I <laughs> found uh, the the Catholic Church that just it had the biggest listing in the yellow pages, and I called and I said, "Do you have a youth group?" Um, and that parish, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know anything about it at the time, but that parish had a life teen program. Okay. And so when I called and talked to the youth minister, he, I said, you know, I'm just kind of interested in what this looks like because I miss the youth group I had as a high schooler. 
And so he's like, we would love to have you on our core team. Um, and so I, that's kind of how I got started. It was more just a volunteer kind of side thing. It, um, because I was working with the right age group, it counted for professional development hours I needed for school to become a teacher. Sure. So it all connected really well. But um, it was kind of through that process of doing ministry. And then at the same time, having these kind of encounter and conversion moments in my own heart, mm-hmm. that it really became just it wasn't, it, it wasn't an all at once kind of sudden, the God's calling me into yeah. ministry. It was a slow kind of volunteer and then help out a little bit part-time and then get asked to work full-time. And, and that, that really drew me into that, but yeah. it, it was fantastic. And I, I loved it. I did that for 15 years. I served as a youth minister. Wonderful. Were you always at the same parish, Kristen, during those 15 years or did you move around in the... No, I was not. I actually stayed in the same town. So I had, um, I served at the original parish that I was a volunteer at for a number of years. And then um, the rest of the city that we live in in Oshkosh was going through a consolidation, parish consolidation. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for uh, someone who could do youth ministry and faith formation for the new parishes that were being formed. Basically, it was taking six down to two, six parishes down to two. And um, so I met with the pastors of the two new parishes. And um, that was absolutely the right, the right situation. Um, What they thought they were hiring for was someone who would do youth ministry, and then they were going to hire someone else to do faith formation. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's not really what the church tells us (laughs) about how this should be done. Um, what you should, I said, if I were you, what I would do is hire someone to do faith formation and youth ministry for middle school and faith formation and youth ministry for high school mm-hmm. so that it's all really well connected. And they met and then a couple weeks later called and said, we agree. Would you be the high school person? <laughs> so <laughs> after a lot of prayer and discernment, um, you know, I was leaving the program that I was in in, in really good hands and, and ended up then working at the other kind of combined parishes. Uh, until the God called me out and into this. <laughs> well, and that's what that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Kristen Bird, who serves as the executive director of Burning Hearts Disciples, an apostolate which aims to equip, train, and support Catholics to live out the new evangelization through the art of accompaniment. Kristen, um, a beautiful mission, a beautiful name for the apostolate. Tell us more about how this started. Sure. So um, I'll tell you that... Uh, Around, I don't know, I was starting to feel God kind of calling me out of youth ministry, mm-hmm. but I was uh, very mm, unsettled with it because being a youth minister was a perfect situation for my family life as well. Mm-hmm. So I had, I was married, I had three children, and I was able to be kind of the wife and mother I wanted to be. My husband was a teacher, so he worked during the day, and I primarily worked nights and weekends. And so um, we had, well, I had st- certainly had some time that we had to have help with the, with the kids, you know, for the most part, I was able to be home and I was flexible in my hours and all of that. Um, and so when God was clearly calling me out of youth ministry, I was like, but how am I going to do this? <laughs> How's this going to work? So, um, at the same time, my dad was retiring from his job and he worked for Kraft Foods, uh, corp- on the corporate level, and he was retiring. And my mom, for his retirement gift, gave him a two-week pilgrimage to the Holy Land. That's what she was going to do. And he said to her, instead of doing two weeks, could we do one week? And could we take our four adult children with us? She was like, wow. well, it's your retirement gift. Of course we can. Oh, my goodness. So, I'm the oldest of four siblings. 
And the six of us went off and did a, a pilgrimage, a week-long pilgrimage to the Holy Land together um, as part wow. of his retirement gift. It was beautiful and wonderful. And really, Burning Hearts Disciples was born out of that trip. There was a lot of personal prayer and wrestling, uh, really wrestling with God and, and kind of saying, you know, what is it that you're calling me to? Because it's not clear. It had been clear up to that point, and it's not anymore. Right. And I remember standing on the Sea of Galilee and uh, doing a whole... Uh, reflection on, you know, Peter and the primacy of St. Peter and, and Jesus making him Pope. And, and the, the per person who was leading our pilgrimage said, I want you to just ask God for one word today, one, just one word. And so I was like, okay, I did that. And the word I got was ministry. And I was like, all right, God, maybe that you, you're calling me in to find a new type of ministry to serve in. And, and I, you know, wrestled with that for most of the day and was like, okay, if this is what you want for me. And then we went to the Basilica of the Annunciation. And he said the same thing again, ask God for one word. And that word, the word I got was mother. And I remember like throwing my hands up and kind of being like, well, now I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and literally my prayer to him was, if you want me to be able to do both of those, you figure it out. <laughs> Which is at now I know one of the best types of prayers that you can, that you can say. And so coming out of that, uh, out of that uh, pilgrimage and that experience, it was kind of humming along for a little while, trying to figure out and just see, okay, Lord, what opportunities are you going to open? Mm -hmm. um, well, it turns out that my parents had had some similar experiences on that pilgrimage. My dad was retiring and kind of, what do you want me to do, God, with the rest of my life now? And very type A corporate exec personality. So it wasn't comfortable just to sit. And so maybe about six months after the pilgrimage, they picked up the phone and called me and said, we want to do something. We want to do something in the church. We want to do something to help our fellow Catholics who sit in the pews just like us really unpack and uncover and get lit on fire for their faith, which is what had happened to them over the course of those six months. Uh, my mom was raised Catholic and she said, I'm learning and discovering and things I, I never heard before. How, how did I not know these things? My dad was a convert um, when I was when I was born. He converted and and he'd same thing. He said nobody ever told me some of this stuff that I'm really just you know unpacking and I'm and I'm really getting lit on fire for it. And so they said, what would it look like to provide ministry in some way that helped to do this? And that was really the seed of Burning Hearts starting. And the name comes from you know the the story of the road to Emmaus where Jesus opens the scriptures for the disciples he's walking with. And they say, we're not our hearts burning within us as he talked um, to us and, and shared with us on the way, um, because that had been each of our experiences mm -hmm. was getting that, you know, uh, uncovering new truths and new beauties about our faith and, and really feeling that our hearts were burning within us. Yeah. And so then it was a long journey of, of getting to where we are today. You know, when we, when we sure. first founded this ministry, this is not what we thought we would be doing, the kind of work we do today, but wow. but it's all uh, where the Holy Spirit has called us. Well, and what a, a beautiful sort of origin story of an apostle. It's <laughs> really lovely. I love it. Um, so what do you find yourself doing this day? Because again, you know, that word ministry um, mm -hmm. that had come to mind, uh, who, are you, who do you find yourself ministering to these days through Burning Hearts Disciples? So now we're about uh, nine years old now, and, and we really minister primarily to, um, I would say, parish leaders, okay, um, parish council, pastoral councils, right? That kind of sometimes staff, but um, the folks that are, um, that's our primary ministry. Now, 
We also do them some work with just general parishes. So I do some parish missions, um, retreats, things like that. But usually, not always, but usually those are done in the context of having been working with some leadership at that parish to say, how can we help you plan for and strategize around and look at what accompaniment and evangelization and discipleship might look like in your particular parish. Then usually the retreat or workshop or parish mission is a result of the work that we've been doing. It's now it's time to introduce some of this to the rest of our parish. And so um, I'll kind of present present a, a re- mission or a retreat or something to, to bring everyone else on board um, and, and launch. So- so you'll come. Have. You'll come alongside the staff for uh, for a season, not just like a one off event. Or yeah, that's you, that's when um, when we do the work that is the bears the most fruit. Yeah. Um, that's usually how it happens. We're walking with a staff or leadership um, team for a season, and you know we would say our our goal is that you don't need us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to work ourselves out of a job so that. But we also know that. Um, and I know from having been a parish staff member for so long that uh, parish staffs are, they're overworked. They have too much to do. They have too few resources to do it. Um, and so to try to add something else just feels yeah. like I can't possibly. Right. Well, we can be that injection of resources to get over the hump until we can take, you know, the the planning to a place where they feel like I, I'm confident in how this is going to just integrate into what I'm already doing and not be another new program I have to launch. Right. Yeah, no, it's true that, uh, again, being in a parish, uh, it can be overwhelming when a new program is uh, introduced, knowing that, well, we already have a lot of existing responsibilities. Um, But in terms of resources, then, is it, um, you know, you've mentioned uh, scripture a few times, like, is it uh, does it take the shape of maybe uh, going through some scripture? Like what's some of the strategy knowing that it's going to be different for each parish, but I'm kind of curious what your approach might be. Yeah. So um, I, I would say that, you know, we, we do tell everyone um, nothing we do is out of the box. <laughs> so there's no, when people call and say, Hey, can you help us? It's, it's usually a lot of phone calls and, and okay. sometimes meetings and things to determine where are you at right now in your journey as a parish in this, where are you at as a, personally for the, for the folks that are on that team or that we're working with. Um, and then what do you need next? And so it's just a matter of what, what do you need next? Now we, so we try to live the art of accompaniment through the work that we're doing to form folks in the art of accompaniment. But a couple of the key elements that usually come into play um, are in some way, shape or form an understanding and proclamation and internalizing of the, the kerygma, the core gospel mm-hmm. message. Yeah. Um, we can't hear and and interact with and take that to heart too often. Yeah. Um, and so really helping people to kind of encounter that um, maybe in a new way, in a different mm-hmm. way or a deeper way. That's a, that's a big piece of it. We do a lot on um, how do we evangelize? Like the practical, how is, how is it done? How is a disciple made? How did Jesus make disciples? <laughs> how does the church tell us that we are to make disciples? And then what does that look like? in practice. Um, right. So we do a lot on that. Then usually we also talk a bit, um, quite a bit about the power of story um, mm. and the power of our own personal stories, the power of consecrating the stories in the world and finding truth, beauty, goodness, and oneness in those stories and, and using them as a way to share the faith with people. We talk about Jesus as a storyteller. And then we talk about how to listen 
to other people's stories well. Um, So those are some key elements that usually get kind of woven in um, at some point, depending on depending on where we're at. Yes, yeah, it's just listening to you. You're using a lot of similar language that we've heard Pope Francis use with accompaniment, with listening. We know that like at the heart of the whole synodal process was this art of listening and accompaniment. Um, so it's nice to see it kind of unfolding at this level. And and you're working, Kristen, with parishes all over the country or in a certain uh, location? No, we have, we have parishes we work with all over the country. Um, we kind of, you know, uh, I've actually had the the great fortune and honor of being asked to present at some uh, clergy congresses for some diocese and archdiocese recently in the last maybe two or three years. And so that um, often then gets us kind of a, a way to build relationship with some of the parishes in that area. So we've got like these little spots kind of all over the country that we're kind of have, you know, multiple things that happen, uh, multiple ways that we've been working and that just keeps expanding and spreading and places that we've been able to kind of set them off running and, right. and they're doing great. And we just do kind of a check-in, how are things going? And then places that we're just getting started. And and I know, again, each community, staff, pastor, they're all unique, but you've been doing this maybe just long enough to be able to identify some patterns or trends. Mm-hmm. So are you seeing kind of some patterns of maybe some struggles out there, but also the joys and the success stories? Uh, have yeah. you seen some of those patterns? Oh, absolutely. I would say that we actually just had a meeting, uh, a board meeting for Burning Hearts recently where we were talking about um, folks that are wanting to do strategic planning for their parish. And they want to do strategic planning, not in the way we might usually think about capital fund, you know, projects or things like that, but strategic planning for discipleship and evangelization. And uh, my dad's background in the corporate world, right. He, he is, he's fantastic at that. And he, um, after he retired, went back and got a degree in biblical studies, (laughs) Wow. Because <laughs> uh, he just felt so passionate about it and is really, really well grounded in how that stuff um, connects with our faith and how to bring the, um, keep the church the, at the center and our faith at the center of it, but then bring in the best of those organizational practices. And I will say that one of the things that we're seeing is that, um, and, and we're encouraging folks that are coming to us asking for some help with that long term planning, there are a couple things that will, um, help prevent that from derailing and help prevent it from stalling out if they want to get started on that process. And one is having intercessory prayer in their parish. So uh, it it can be, I mean, one parish that we are working with, it is three ladies, (laughs) but those three ladies are powerhouse prayers. And so when the staff is discerning or when they're trying to figure out a direction to go, or they have an obstacle that they've run into, they can send that prayer to those those women and those ladies um, pray and then come back to the parish and say, and to the staff and say, here's what we received in prayer wow. related to this. Um, and that seems to really have just, you know, expand the fruits of what, of what uh, a parish is doing. Another piece is um, pastors who are willing to do leadership development for themselves. Okay. So there's lots of great um, resources out there for that. You know, um, Divine Renovation has kickstart programs that they offer for priests. Amazing Parish has a boot camp that they offer, particularly for pastors. And um, just as for to have a pastor who's willing to do some leadership formation for himself that happens outside of the context, maybe of everything else he has going on as a pastor, seems to really help um, kind of bear a lot of fruit for some of those places. 
um, those are two really key things. And then the, the third one um, is really uh, an understanding of the culture of the team. Yeah. So how are, how do they interact together? Where are there, you know, uh, great synergy and, and things that are just humming along and people that are working together or smaller teams that are able to just accomplish so much and where are they running into obstacles? Yeah. And not that we can fix those necessarily, or that's not our job, but right. an awareness of them to know, hey, when these two people work together, there can be some conflict. So we need to add a third person to make sure that they can help mediate, you know, the things that we would do naturally, usually, but just having that awareness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are probably the three biggest things that we're seeing kind of help to prevent it from kind of stalling out yeah. um, and failing. But, you know, the biggest joy, and, and I would say maybe for some folks is surprising that we're seeing a lot of parishes start off thinking um, that their primary goal is to target young families. And now I'm a young family ish, youngish family. <laughs> you know, my husband and I have three kids, all teenagers. Um, 19, 16, and 14. And um, I know that that my kids are in that demographic that they're trying, a lot of parishes are trying to go after, right? We want that, that group of people. And that's fantastic. And as a mom of kids that age, yes, please <laughs> yeah. reach out to them. At the same time, however, one of the things that we're seeing is that the um, senior members in parishes who have, you know, if you think about it, right, decades in some cases of sacramental graces that they've been receiving because they've been Catholic their whole lives, that when they um, really encounter uh, Jesus in this particular way, when they internalize this proclamation, when they understand that God loves them personally, unconditionally, and their faith moves from maybe being something that might be a little bit more out of obligation or even unreflected habit and it moves into something that's really intentional and personal for them, um, it, they explode as evangelizers. I mean, seriously, like they are just powerhouses and are doing some incredible and amazing things to, to really bring others into relationship with, with God, with Jesus and with the church. And so, I, you know, I, I know that folks are feeling like, oh my gosh, the young families, the young families, the young families. And at, yes, absolutely. We cannot like leave them out. However, I think the people who are going to get the young families are the seniors already in our pews mm. who have sacramental grace unbound and unleashed and the power of the Holy Spirit working through everything that they have learned and known and received throughout their life really coming to life. Thank you for sharing that, Kristen. That's beautiful to hear. Uh, where can our listeners learn more about Burning Hearts Disciples? Sure. So we have a website, burningheartsdisciples.org. Hearts and disciples are plural. Okay. <laughs> um, so you can go there. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook and on Instagram as well. And then um, we often will post um, to our social media or even to our website clips of videos of some of our events and, and different things like that if someone wants to get a, a flavor of what we're doing. But really the best way is to get in touch with one of us so we can kind of have a conversation even if it's a one-time, you know, 15-minute conversation to just, hey, I need somebody else to talk to because I feel alone in this work mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what to do, you know, that we're here. We're, that's what we're here for, um, is that ongoing accompaniment for the people who are in the trenches doing the work of ministry. Yeah. Oh, good to hear. Well, we'll, we'll share the word about the website and how they can get in touch with you. And Kristen, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for your yes to the Lord. May God continue to bless your ministry. Thank you again. Thank you. 
My prayer for you this week is that you discover, as Kristen mentioned, new truths and new beauty in your journey of faith, and that you receive the grace and courage to share those timeless truths and glimpses of beauty with someone else. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time to hear more stories on what God is doing through His people today. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, Visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.